What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn on the Jets podcast, where myself, Will Parkinson, talks everything New York Jets football. Today, we have an exciting show for you. We're going to discuss a variance of uh, the topics today. We got things on the menu like Carson Wentz getting traded to the Colts this morning. Big news for both the Jets and the NFL and the AFC as a whole. We'll also talk a little bit about Sam Darnold and how this may affect his trade value if the Jets do decide to move on from him. We'll also discuss things like the notion that was published by a couple of different, um, you know, articles today and, you know, and how the Jets aren't capable of building around Deshaun Watson. And that's why he wouldn't want to come to the Jets. Um, some of the free agent movement and, and some of the veteran cuts that have been made. And then we'll also talk the Jets quarter century team at safety, which was released uh, Thursday night. And then we'll also preview a little bit the tight end and offensive coordinator spots that'll be getting discussed next week. So um, big show for you guys. Uh, you know, stay tuned. First thing on the menu today, we'll uh, we'll discuss a little bit around Carson, the Carson Wentz trade uh, to Indianapolis. So that that came out this morning. Um, you know, Carson Wentz moving to the Indianapolis Colts. His time in uh, in Indianapolis is now done. Um, you know, he he's somebody that was has played at an MVP level of points in his career, and he's also somebody that um, was one of the worst probably quarterbacks last year. You know, across the league as a whole. So, um, you know, Wentz is somebody that. You know, he's had his injury problems, um, but he's also shown flashes of brilliance. Um, his MVP, like here in 2017, was ended with an ACL injury on a goal line run versus the Rams. And, you know, the Eagles did still go on to win the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, let's not uh, let's not bash him too much here. But he's somebody that came with a lot of risks. He had one of the biggest contracts, you know, guaranteed money contracts in the NFL, um, you know, in NFL history when he signed that. Um, and, you know, and then obviously the guaranteed money starts kicking in this year for the, you know, would have started kicking in for the Colts. I mean, the Eagles. So, um, you know, now the Eagles will be responsible for that uh, majority of that money. The Eagles will eat, you know, a $33.8 million cap hit this year, um, something that the largest in NFL history. It's something we saw with Jared Goff, the, um, you know, going back to uh, going to Detroit, you know, in that Rams trade, the, the Rams kind of had to pay to take, you know, have somebody take on, um, you know, that contract and end up getting Matt Stafford in return, which is obviously a gigantic upgrade for them, in my opinion. But, you know, now with the, you know, for the Eagles is do they build around Jalen Hurts? Um, do they still look at a quarterback at six? There's, there's a lot of questions there. Um, I'd be led to believe they're going to try to get Jalen Hurts a shot here, but nothing would shock me if they decided to, um, you know, either trade up or, you know, stay where they are. Look, at the end of the day, when it comes to Carson Wentz, they gave up a ton of picks to get them, trade up to get them. They gave them a ton of money, and they're not going to really see the value in that contract. But at the same time, he brought the Eagles a Super Bowl. Um, he was a main, main reason um, why they won that Super Bowl. Obviously, Nick Foles came in, had a great playoff run, talented roster around him, great coaching, et cetera. And, oh, that's great. But Carson Wentz played at an MVP level um, that entire year. Probably would have won the MVP had he not gotten hurt. And I don't see a reason why they wouldn't been able, have been able to, you know, can still win that Super Bowl the way they played. So, his, although obviously the ups and downs, I still think he had a successful time in Philadelphia. At the end of the day, the goal is to win a Super Bowl. And I think as a Jets fan, and any fan of a team that is not consistently winning every, on a daily basis, you know, weekly basis, it's really hard for me to sit there and, you know, give them a hard time when, you know, he both multiple playoff multiple playoff appearances. Um, I think that, you know, 2018 obviously came back and was struggling a little bit, struggled with health um, and, and Foles was still to lead them. You know, 2019, I thought he actually came back and was really good last year with very little to work around him um, and, you know, was able to lead that Eagles team to the playoffs. 
I don't think if he doesn't get hurt, I think they actually do beat Seattle. And, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And then last year was obviously a disaster. Some of the numbers on Wentz were, you know, from from my perspective, as somebody that defends Sam, I don't want to crush Carson too much. But obviously, you know, 2,600 yards and, and 12 starts, 16 touchdowns, still led the league. Only started 12 games and still led the league in interceptions with 15. Obviously not great. We most sacked quarterback last year. But then you look back to 2017, you see why the Colts and Frank Reich pulled the trigger on this deal, in which I think they actually won handily because his his numbers under Frank Reich, 13 starts, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, complete over 60% of his passes, 3,300 yards, led the NFL in QBR with a 78.5 QBR that year, um, you know, well above seven yards per attempt, over 100 quarterback rating back-to-back years. Um, you know, he's still – he's somebody that I think has a ton of talent. I think the issue for Indy is going to be can we rebuild his confidence and can we keep him upright? They have one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in football. So that should be a huge plus there to keep him healthy. Frank Reich knows his skill set and will know how to you know best utilize him. And then it's all about, you know, can Wentz make some good decisions? Um, can they add to that? Will they bring T.Y. Hilton back? Um, you know, will Michael Pittman take another step next year for them? Will they build? They have a bunch of cap space. Let's see how they draft and how they decide to kind of build more weapons around Carson Wentz with an already really good defense and, and go from there. I think they have to be pretty clear favorites in the AFC. Uh, one of the clear favorites in the AFC. And I think from a division perspective, I don't think Jacksonville is going to be ready year one, even if Trevor Lawrence is as good as everyone thinks he is. Um, you know, I'm a little skeptical, um, you know, on how that's all going to work out. Um, but at the same time, you know, Houston most likely looking to, to move Deshaun Watson. Um, let's see if that really does happen. We'll get to that a little bit later. And then, you know, I, I just, I don't know, Tennessee kind of, goes back and I go back and forth. I'm not sure if they kind of hit their ceiling as a, a team the last couple of years. So it's exciting for, um, you know, for Indianapolis. I think it's a kind of, it's a high risk move in some sense because of the money, but they didn't actually give up much as much from a draft capital perspective as I thought they were going to have to. Uh, I mean, as I thought they, you know, the Eagles were looking for two ones. They thought they might get a one out of Wentz just based on past performance, um, you know, ended up getting a three this year and then a conditional two next year with the ability to be a one if he plays in 75% of snaps next year. And if they make the playoffs, he only plays 70%. So Eagles fans, uh, you're going to be have to rooting for Carson Wentz to stay healthy and do well this year to ensure that's a first round pick next year. So um, from the Eagles perspective, I think they're one of the worst situations in football kind of feel for Jalen Hurts in some senses. I think he's a good kid and I think he's got some potential. I'm not sure he's ever going to be as good as people do think I'm more on the fence if he'd be a bottom bottom of the league, but still an okay starter uh, with some exciting moments. And the Eagles are in a situation, they're in a terrible division, but their roster is very old. Um, they're, cap, they're in cap hell. The Wentz $34 million cap hit this year is going to crush them. Um, but it is obviously they're getting out from under that money. And we're able to get a couple draft picks um, towards the you know top of the draft to add to some capital and hopefully be able to uh, you know rebuild the roster in two or three years, you know, and do a quick rebuild and go from there. With teams don't really rebuild these days, and um, it's something we kind of talked about last week with Jake. And you know, the Jets, where they rebuild, they've been rebuilding for probably twelve months, and they could be, you know, with a really great offseason and good draft, they could be back to being really competent and in a playoff picture. Um, you know, by by this time next year, we could be talking about the Jets as the team that's going to make the jump from a playoff wildcard team to a Super Bowl contender. That's how quickly the NFL works. So 
um, from an Eagles perspective and a Colts perspective, I think they both got what they wanted. And, um, you know, that's now going to kind of lead us into our next point, which is Sam Darnold. Um, you know, for you guys who have kind of listened to the podcast, follow me on Twitter at willpaul 11 know how big of a Sam fan I am. I think that the Jets should keep him here if they don't make a move for Deshaun Watson. I, I think they should trade back from two, get a wealth of assets and, um, you know, and try to build around him and take a flyer on him this year and hopefully be able to rebuild his confidence a little bit, um, you know, under the Shanahan offense, Robert Sala in the building, talent around him, all these different things. And for some reason, that's now a hot take, um, you know, but at the same time, looking at it unbiasedly from the perspective of the Jets, if they are looking to trade Sam Darnold, I actually don't think the Carson Wentz trade has as much of an effect on um, Sam's trade value. I actually almost think it increases Sam's trade value. The Eagles were able to get two, um, you know, top top of the line, a third and potentially a one and potentially a three or a two and a three for a guy who's owed, you know, hundred million dollars and um, has been, you know, injury prone, even worse, much worse than Sandwich, much more serious injury. He's played 68 games and um, in five years. So not great from Wentz's perspective, he's played, you know, 16 games twice and then got hurt in the playoffs too. So he's somebody that's, you know, ACLs, concussions, back, spine injuries, um, guys taking a ton of shots and beating up. And then confidence-wise, you know, Sam's confidence dropped a lot, um, you know, towards the end of the year and pretty much all year. But I think that's a lot to do with not trusting who he was throwing to on a weekly basis. You know, we see Chris Hogan this week declare his, you know, he's entering in the professional lacrosse league draft. And that was at one point, a, you know, a main target for Sam Darnold this year. So, um, you know, people don't think the weapons excuse is always a good one. Um, you know, we're not really sure what Denzel Mims is yet. He think, I think he has a lot of potential. I think he's somebody that's, uh, you know, straight line speed, can, you know, go up and get in on deep ball and has run some nice routes. But we haven't seen – we've seen him play eight, nine games. We don't really know yet truly what they have in Denzel Mims. Um, you know, Jameson Crowder's a nice piece, um, you know. But, like, again, Chris – he's always was injured. Mims was injured all year. You're throwing to Chris Hogan. You're throwing to Brashad Perryman, who, you know, has got, you know, bones. I mean – rocks for hands so um you know again all these things and the reason i bring that up is just because you look at Wentz, and um you know again he's comparable to sam in a lot of senses guys who are extremely talented but have had some confidence injury concerns all these types of things i think the only concern would have been sam's shoulder this year was the one injury i would have been more concerned about but he looks um healthy from everything he's been posting um you know and that's obviously a huge positive and then you know you look at you know, what his value might be, you know, you've heard two and a five, two and a four, a late one, um, you know, there's all these different reports coming out. In my personal opinion, I think that Sam should be, have more value than Carson Wentz. Um, he has not played at the same level. But he's certainly shown the same flashes and his height and his like his height of his flashes are the same as Carson Wentz. He's four years younger much less serious injuries. And I don't think his confidence needs to be rebuilt the same way. I think he needs to be put in a scheme that's going to be able to build his confidence and it'll come back right away. Um, you know, get him on the move, get him out in the pocket, running around, being creative, short, quick, one read throws, be able to push the ball down the field. He's got a really strong arm, you know, and go from there. I would see Sam probably either moving if the stakes get high enough. I actually think this helps the Jets, um, you know, leverage. I thought Sam could potentially end up in Indy. I'd look at Carolina, the Washington football team, Chicago, and San Francisco as teams that could make a serious move. And 
even potentially New Orleans at the bottom of the first round. Um, if not, I think Sam maybe goes for a two and a four or a two and a conditional three turning into a two. Um, so it'd be two twos. Um, you know, that's what I kind of would say Sam's value is at the moment. Um, you know, I, again, I hope they don't move Sam, but at the end of the day, from a, the perspective of the Jets, um, it has to be something that's considered. So I would look, uh, I would look to see, you know, kind of what the Jets wouldn't get out of him. I think Sam might be the next domino to fall if it's not Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, guys like Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, it's Trubisky or others. And if I'm a team, do I want to get stuck with a Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, maybe a Mitch Trubisky, or do I want to take a shot on a guy who's taken third overall and is somebody that can start right away, has NFL experience, and if put in the right situation, I think can be great. I, I'd keep an eye on that and you know, kind of see what the Jets do. But there's definitely the Carson Wentz trade is definitely something that's interesting for the Jets from an AFC perspective. Interesting from the Carson Wentz perspective and in, in a destination that Indy might have been, you know, for Sam. But um, I actually don't think they're – I think Wentz is a pretty unique situation based on the, the salary and, you know, kind of the ups and downs of his career. So uh, be on the lookout for that, and, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk a little to Sean Watson. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's talk a little to Sean Watson. There's been some, some things talked about of how the Jets can't, um, you know, build around Deshaun Watson if they were to acquire him by giving him draft capital. And, they don't have the means to do so. So I, I just want to kind of squash that notion. Yes, I understand the Jets roster is barren of talent right now, as we've talked about earlier in the podcast and people have been talking about for the last two years with the Jets. Here's what I would say. The Jets have both Seattle ones, including their own ones for the next two years. And then obviously they're one in uh, you know 2023. They have multiple second round picks. They have multiple third-round picks. They have multiple fourth-round picks, fifth, sixth, seventh. They have the second-most cap space in the NFL, and it's only going to grow with cutting guys like Henry Anderson, Greg Van Rotten, potentially Jamison Crowder. Um, we'll see what happens with some of the other you know, pieces, George Font, if they decide to go that route and, and you know, upgrade a tackle. There's a, Alex Lewis. There's a lot of guys that potentially will not be on this roster that were the Jets' biggest cap hits. As of now, Jamison Crowder is slated to be the Jets' biggest cap hit. And just over $11 million. The NFL salary cap just got agreed upon at $180 million. The Jets have a lot to work with. Um, so this notion that they couldn't sign guys if they needed to um, is total BS. Um, I understand Joe Douglas has made it clear that he wants to build through the draft, wants to build it internally, build a great culture, build from both offensive and defensive lines, secure a quarterback, and, and kind of build the skill positions You know that after. But when a new coach comes in, the way someone can build a team changes. The Jets have a ton of draft capital. And even if they were to trade two to three ones, multiple other picks for Deshaun, that would mean they would then be trading Sam Darnold, which they'd be recouping some of those draft assets. They could, be, they could also move guys like Jameson Crowder potentially for a third, fourth, fifth round pick to a team meeting receiver, maybe a Baltimore. Um, you know, there's a lot of options there. And not only that, but GMs and Joe Douglas has been around this in Philadelphia and Baltimore with Ozzie Newsom, Harry Rosen, guys like that. Like he understands it's not just about the draft. The draft is a huge piece and it's the most cost effective way to do it. It's the most, it's the best way to bring in a guy even before they get to their prime and potentially through their prime. But he also understands bringing in big time free agents is another way, or at least valuable guys that can be starters and above average level starters to build around you know, homegrown superstar level talent. That's the way you build a team. And I just don't understand this notion that 
oh, because the Jets are going to get Deshaun Watson, who's, as much as I love Sam, Deshaun's clearly a lot better than Sam. Deshaun's a top five, top six if you really want to be. Um, if you're not a huge fan of Deshaun, I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's probably more like four or five um, in the NFL right now. He's 25 years old on a very affordable cap number, including about $10 million against the cap in a base salary perspective this year. And then his salary will kick in. The Texans have already paid over $30 million of his bonus, so it's not going to handicap the Jets from a quarterback and money perspective. If you were somebody that wanted to build around the draft and you want to take a quarterback this year, you might think Justin, um, you know, Justin Fields could be really good. You might think Zach Wilson. You might think Traylon. Deshaun's already great, and he's two years older than these guys, three years older than these guys. So, um, if I'm if I'm the Jets, obviously I've said this before, you make a move for Deshaun if you can. But I just wanted to squash this notion that the Jets can't build around him. All of a sudden, you know, you sign Joe Tooney or Brandon Sheriff, Brandon Sheriff. You bring in a Juju or an, a Will Fuller, like it's been linked. Um, all this, and you you know you draft another running back, and now all of a sudden the Jets' offense has got three to four legitimate weapons. The Jets' offense has got a much more solidified interior offensive line to go around from Kai Becton. And as much as I don't think George George Font is great, he's still an above average starter, or at least average starter um, at tackle. And now your running backs who provide speed, you're in a great QB friendly offense, and they can still build around the defense and make it work. So. I just would be very careful about this notion that Jets can't build around Deshaun Watson. Moving on to, uh, you know, out of the Deshaun Watson, Sam Darnold conversation, which we're going to be having every single day until it's decided. And we're going to continue to have after that. Also wanted to look at a little bit of some of the veterans that are on the market um, that Jets may be interested in talk about. They may be a fit or not. So, you know, the big name obviously right now is, is JJ Watt. I think he's somebody that would be, an awesome addition for the Jets, I think, um, on the right team-friendly deal. And he would probably be able to lure somebody like Deshaun Watson and maybe a guy like Will Fuller, things like that, um, in addition to some other veteran talent and instantly change the culture. But at the same time, I don't think the Jets are realistic favorites for Deshaun – I mean, for uh, J.J. Watt in any way, shape, or form. I think Green Bay, um, Baltimore, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, obviously um, – those teams, to me, win now. They want to get it done. Indianapolis, too. Obviously, a lot of teams in the division for for the Texans, but there's a lot of options uh, for J.J. Watt. And I think at this point in his career, the guy wants to win a Super Bowl. And while the Jets could be interesting um, for him from a you know, New York perspective, a chance to be able to you know play with Deshaun, if that would be what he would look, be looking for, and still be the primary guy, even though I think as good as as much as he was double teamed last year, and he was probably the best defensive player in the league in 2018. His his prime is definitely past him, and I don't know that that's the best fit for him right now. Um, but I do think a place like Pittsburgh to play with his brothers, um, a place like Green Bay, where they're Matt Lafleur, not going for two away from you know potentially uh, you know potentially you know coming back in that game and maybe winning it and. Um, I, I just I, I don't see J.J. Watt being realistic here. I'd love J.J. Watt to be a Jet, but um, I wouldn't get too overexcited, even though he did post the all gas, no breaks. But in fairness, the Packers use that mantra as well. So, um, you know, let's uh, let's be careful there. Two other guys I want to kind of just quickly discuss, you know, Richard Sherman. Um, it's kind of it's been reported very unlikely he returns to San Francisco, if at all. Um, I think Richard Sherman should be one of the primary targets for the Jets and free agency. 
he speaks very highly of Robert Sala. He's somebody that's advocated for Deshaun Watson to be a Jet. And, then, you know, all those things are great, but it's also about the Jets need help at cornerback badly. Sherman's obviously an all-pro level Hall of Fame player. And not, while he might not be Richard Sherman of the Legion of Boom this first couple of years, he's still a quality level player. Would be a gigantic upgrade on Blesson Austin and Arthur Millette. And also knows Salah's defense and can provide similar to what Jim Leonard and, and Bart Scott, you know, came when they came over um, you know, with Rex Ryan and, you know, helped implement his defense and, you know, turn the defense into a, a top defense in the NFL for a few years. So look for him. Um, another guy, the Jets, I haven't, you know, they haven't been linked too much to yet, but somebody I think they should also target is Patrick Peterson. Peterson's going to be, you know, cutting ties with Arizona. He's been, um, you know, multi-time all pro, um, almost a decade worth of pro bowls at 30 years old. Again, um, he's not Patrick Peterson, you know, the first two, three years in the NFL, but he's still, again, a much more um, accomplished player than what they've got the position in both guys. Similar to J.J. Watt as well, I would look for two- to three-year deals um, where they can compete and not, you know, cat, you know, crush the cat for the Jets, but also, you know, come on and, and provide some great balance and, and veteran leadership to, you know, you want to change the culture. Sal is a huge step. Douglas is a big step, but also getting these guys in here that have won. They know winning. They understand what it's like to be in a locker room and sacrifice, um, you know, sacrifice everything to be the top at your position in the NFL. So. I think all those things would be great for the Jets, and there's guys I'd watch. Just from a veteran perspective of teams, you know, with the cap going down, 18 million is the first time in a decade that the cap is not increased, and that's actually, you know, it's almost a net of $30 million difference. So look for more guys to be cut, um, especially on teams like the Eagles, Saints, Packers, Texans, all you know, all these different teams, 49ers, teams that are up against the cap, you know, especially in the Saints' perspective, they're $92 million over the cap Pittsburgh. You know, have to re-sign T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, and then Roethlisberger's owed $41 million. So just be on the lookout for those guys and, and see, we'll, you know, preview once those guys are moved. Ricardo Allen cut today from the Falcons, you know, how um, they may affect the Jets and their free agency hopes. Last, we'll, uh, we're going to move into, uh, you know, my favorite part of the podcast, you know, since obviously, um, you know, I've been, I've been writing these articles, but, you know, we're doing that quarter century Jets team 1996 through through 2020. Um, you know, we did running backs last week. It was an exciting position somewhere where the Jets have really excelled. This is another position where the Jets have had some really quality guys. Um, funny enough, most of these guys are all pretty much the same player. Um, you know, obviously people like Jamal Adams, Kerry Rhodes, who are my two starting safeties over the last uh, 25 years. Jamal, as much as, um, you know, I might not be the biggest fan of him currently um, for kind of what transpired. He was no doubt about it, the best jet safety of all time, even in his three short years. Um, over 200 tackles, double digit sacks, six force fumbles, four fumble recoveries, 28 TFLs, 20 plus QB hits, 20 plus passes defended. Guy was an all star, all pro level player, multiple Pro Bowls, multiple all pros um, in his first three years. Pretty incredible. Somebody I'll always remember for. Um, you know, the way he kind of dropped to the Jets at six when he was pretty clearly to me the best player in that draft, um, just from a talent perspective. And um, as a shoe in was always going to be a pro bowler. And as much as the Jets, uh, you know, everyone likes to talk about the Jets, you know, screwing guys up, there was nothing the Jets could have done to screw him up. So, um, you know, awesome player, unfortunate what, what happened with Adam Gase and the organization and 
Um, you know, him with his quote unquote depression, as he, you know, talked about because of the Jets losing and all these different things. But bottom line, Jamal was an awesome football player. And I'm going to stick to that for this podcast because I don't want to get too negative <laughs> about what happened. But bottom line, great player. And I always remember a couple those couple of plays just owning Gronk in the run game. Gronk went to, you know, he blew Gronk up. And then, you know, that Giants play with Daniel Jones. I hate the Giants. I really dislike Daniel Jones because he was Sam Darnold's a better football player than him. It's not even close. Um, even if Sam didn't play like that, Sam's a better cornhole player. He's a better football player. He's better at everything. Um, and to strip sack Daniel Jones, take the ball right out of his hands and then score. And to be in a stadium full of split fans and just know that was so embarrassing for the Giants and so great for the Jets, even in such a down year, was an incredible moment. And I'm going to choose to remember that. So. Um, you know, Kerry Rhodes, I have starting at free safety. One of one of the most like underrated Jets, actually, I think ever, not just in the safety position. The guy was, um, you know, all rookie team, defensive players of the week, first team all pro in the second year in the league out as a fourth round pick in that really fun um, Jets team with Eric Mangini in his first year. And I just he made a ton of plays. I mean, four years, five years, you know, obviously things didn't end well with what happened with Rex and some of the stuff with Kerry Rhodes' sexuality and, you know, that again, not to, that we don't want to get into the negative stuff, but the guy was extended on a five-year deal. So it's not like he was only on the Jets for five years because he fell out with Rex, but uh, I mean, he would have been an all-time, you know, lifer Jet. And I, I think he deserves to be a starter here. I mean, I think he was incredibly talented. He was great during that 2009 playoff run. Both the Jets playoff runs in 2006 and 2006, 07 and 2009. And he would have been a great part of the 2010 defense. And I, I'm, it would have been interesting to see, how he would have fared in the second year with Jim Leonard, that Jim Leonard partnership and, um, you know, in that defense, I, I think he would have been great. And it's unfortunate it ended the way it did, but he was an awesome player um, for the Jets and somebody that if you haven't seen play, highly would recommend, you know, he went to Arizona the next year, was an all pro. Um, so what a steal that trade was for the Cardinals, only a fourth round pick to take on a safety with four years left in his deal in, a, in his prime. Um, so, those two guys pretty clear to me starting safeties and then um you know we get in, we'll get into a little more of the you know the rest of the article but you know marcus may i think maybe controversially him and eric coleman were the two guys i thought of homegrown talent um you know both shorter stints i mean hopefully may gets extended this you know this off season but you know eric coleman was only on the team for four years so missed out a little bit but you know marcus may has been a really solid player for this team and he's somebody i'd like to see back i think two guys that if you guys obviously best that never was Calvin Pryor was an absolute disaster. Um, you know, uh, as a first round pick, the, the Louisville slugger didn't live up to the name and, you know, that was unfortunate, but you know, you look at guys like Laurent Landry who had that one great pro bowl year with the jets and it was probably the only year in his, uh, his career was able to stay healthy. So that was super exciting for, you know, jets fans in a down six and 10 year in 2012, but he was kind of the one bright spot and, um, you know, he's somebody that physically imposing and the fact that his best career was in the Jets is pretty cool. I look at somebody like Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard is one of my favorite Jets uh, the past probably decade. Came in on those Rex Ryan teams, um, came in to help kind of Rex implement that defense, was a punt returner and a safety. Um, but was a really good player and brought it in those playoff games, man. I mean, three games, had a sack, interception, two forced fumbles, two pass defended, two QB hits, a tackle for loss. And, that's awesome production out of safety position. And to get him on a three-year, $6 million deal, um, some of Mike Tannenbaum's most shrewd business, in my opinion, was a great leader, somebody that was exciting, 
undersized, undersized white safety is something that you just don't really see often be successful. And he was immensely successful. And, you know, as an awesome defensive coordinator, somebody that will be back in the NFL. And, you know, maybe, you know, if the Jet things go well for the Jets this year, Jim Leonard will be a part of that staff next year. You know, one can only hope we on Washington back guys like that. It'd be, it'd be pretty cool. But, you know, and I looked at a guy like Victor Green and, you know, nine of his 11 professional seasons spent with the Jets, you know, went through the worst of times, the the one in 15 team and, you know, led the league in tackles with over 170 tackles from the safety position. Impressive for him. Pretty telling about the defense that your safety leaves the NFL in tackles. But, you know, nine seasons with the Jets was part of that 98 team. And, um, you know, it was also, you know, stud, you know, the 99, 2000, 2001, um, you know, teams. And his number, his production's off the charts, almost 900 career tackles with the Jets. You know, 24 interceptions, seven sacks, multiple touchdowns, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, TFLs. I mean, the guy was awesome. And he's somebody that I think gets underrated again by Jets fans just because, you know, you forget about him. But huge part of the 98 team. And, um, you know, he's just somebody that, you know, safety position is, is pretty loaded. And although most of these guys are box safeties that were big hitters and fan favorites and most of them, you know, homegrown. I, I do think it's a position of strength for the Jets. And, um, you know, again, some of these guys, we forget how good they really were. But, you know, I, I think that it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of how people respond to the Jamal Adams. Me saying Jamal Adams is the best safety you know, Jets history. And even though somebody that I've, you know, publicly not been the biggest fan of, but when I went back and kind of reflected unbiasedly, he's been an awesome, he was an awesome Jet. And, you know, next week we're going to get into, uh, you know, we're going to actually release two uh, positions next week. Next week will be tight ends. Um, you know, not not a ton of, um, not the most loaded position, probably one of the least <laughs> talented positions, to be honest with you. Um, you know, over the last 25 years of the Jets, you guys like Kyle Brady and part of the 98 team. But, you know, he's got his own story, Anthony Beck, Chris Baker, Dustin Keller will be somebody that, I think Jets fans will be looking for big time there. And then, you know, you've worked with the Eric Tomlinson's and Kellen Davis is the world. So Jeff Cumberland. So it'll be interesting to go through those guys. And then we're also going to talk offensive coordinator, who the Jets best offensive coordinator has been um, the past 25 years. Uh, we'll throw some polls up on Twitter, Instagram this week. Let me know who you guys, uh, who you guys think should make the list, um, you know, from a production standpoint, fan favorite, things like that. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have some more updates on Sam, some for other free agents being cut and the league year starting up soon, you know, less than a month away now. So um, exciting stuff. Um, you know, next week we have uh, some, an exciting guest I'll reveal throughout the week on Twitter. Um, and, you know, let me know who else you guys would you guys would like to see with the podcast. You know, what do you want to want? What topics you like to see and, uh, and guests you like to see going forward. But uh, thanks for tuning in and look forward to talking to you guys next week.